Ah, oh, I love those ladies. Those no small children. I don't believe what you say. And uh, I think that's a new one. Uh, no, it came out in 2017, I believe. All right, standing by for the next segment is Gary Schwartz. Good morning, Gary. Hello. Hi. Thanks for calling in. Sure. I'll, I'll tell you a little backstory how I heard about. Uh, Viola Spolin? Is that how you pronounce her? Yeah, okay. yeah, of course. I went to Improv Revolution at uh, the Claire Trevor School of the Arts a couple weeks ago. And, oh, okay. And then I met somebody in a class, and she said, you know, there's going to be this um, group, and uh, they do theater games based on Viola Spolin. And I thought, ooh, what's that? And I, then I heard about you. Oh, no kidding. Uh, I was just not, I was not too uh, long ago uh, at a conference at UC Irvine. Uh, for the Applied Improvisation Network, uh, okay. put on by Joel Veenstro yes. or at the drama department there. Yeah, he was on my show. Oh, okay, yes. excellent. So if you could tell the listeners uh, a little bit about your backstory and how you um, began, you know, getting involved and how you met her. Uh, how I met Viola Spolin, well, that's a story. Uh, I, uh, I, this is back in 1976. I had just come out from uh, Schenectady, New York, where I'm from, mm -hmm. uh, to to Los Angeles. Um, I was a uh, at that time I was a professional mime. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and um, I uh, had been a mime since I was about 13 years old, and I was getting kind of bored with not talking. So I decided I would take an improv class, and I went to. Uh, a popular improv class in Los Angeles, um, and uh, it, was, it was basically, you know, a comedy-styled improv class. And a friend of mine uh, uh, from Potsdam University was doing a paper on this woman named Viola Spolin, and I just read that she had opened a school in Los Angeles, and would I try to get some information about her? Now, I'd never heard of her. Uh, but uh, I said sure, so I went down to um, where she was, where they, where, where they were holding classes, mm -hmm. and um, a student of hers was teaching on her behalf, and basically talked me into taking another improv class. So I did, and uh, it was a very different than the comedy improv, and I was enjoying myself, uh, having a good time, basically. Uh, a couple of weeks later, Viola Spolin, this woman in her 60s, comes walking in to see uh, this fellow teach the workshop. And um, within a few minutes, she says, well, that's it. You don't know what you're doing. Get out. <laughs> and she fired him right on the spot and took over the class. Oh, I love it. So uh, we were all kind of shocked. Of uh, course. Uh, she was a very blunt and... Uh, uh, Intimidating. Had a big presence. She just took over the class and uh, said, all right, we're starting uh, from the beginning again, and here we go. The very first exercise I did was a, a, an exercise called following the follower, mirror exercise. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. I'm, you know, adept at mime. I mimic people all the time. Well, the way she coached it was so amazing that I, I literally lost control of my body and I realized I, I, was, I, I was having like an out-of-body experience and I realized that something profound was happening to me. Wow. So at the end of the workshop, I, I went up to her and I, 
I said, well, Miss Spolin, I, I want to thank you. She said, don't thank me, she said. <laughs> Get out. It's not me. It's not me. Don't make me your guru. And wow. She, she just uh, went off on me. It didn't deter me in the least. That's and I, good. I literally said the next words out of my mouth were, well, I'm going to be your apprentice. <laughs> well, that, that kind of threw her, but it ended up that over the next eight years in her workshop, that's exactly what I became, and not only that, but we became dear, dear friends. And she literally changed my whole life. And um, What a story. Yeah, so that's how I met her and uh, started teaching her work about eight years into the workshop. Uh, she, uh, she, she was very protective of her work, and uh, sure. a lot of people used her book without understanding what the, what the philosophy behind it was, and basically made made a lot of boo-boos about the work. So my goal these days is to sort of reintroduce her to the world and uh, in, in the work that I, I do. I like that you weren't in- intimidated by her. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I grew up in a, you know, she's, she's Russian-Jewish, and mm-hmm. I grew up in a very uh, loud and... Uh, shall we say, boisterous family, and uh, so yelling just, uh, it, it was just another form of communication. Yeah, and for you to say, yeah, I'm going to be your apprentice, probably yeah. shocked her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, her son is the legendary original director of Second City, Paul Sills. Right, right. Amazing. Yeah, Paul Sills was her son, and uh, uh, with her help, he created... Uh, the training system that trained the very first group of improvisational actors in America back in the 19, late 50s, early 60s. It's interesting. I studied at the Groundlings and uh, UCB. Yep. How is her technique different, or how does it add to it in some way? Well, you know, uh, improvisation, according to Viola Spolin, first of all, is is uh, not about creating comedic scenes, mm-hmm. um, and not about um, really. It was uh, it was originally designed uh, to teach acting techniques to children in a way that was non-authoritarian and non-intellectual. Um, she did not want to be uh, sort of somebody who said, "All right, Johnny, you stand here, uh, speak up. I can't hear you." She didn't want to do those kind of directions because she felt that that authoritarian model was sort of robbing children of this, the, the pleasure of discovery. So she invented games, mm-hmm. and children, of course, uh, learn by playing. Sure. Uh, so she invented games that uh, basically were a lot of fun, but as a byproduct, uh, you know, uh, you acquire skills. And she got this theory from her teacher, a woman named Neva Boyd, who uh, was a sociologist at the um, uh, Northwestern University and and was the uh, recreational director at the Hull House uh, project during the 1930s, which was an immigration settlement house. And Viola Spolin basically learned that games are the true teachers and so when she decided she wanted to focus on theater, she devised these games that taught theater skills. That's great. So that's very different than 
what improv has become, unfortunately, which is uh, improvisation has gone through after after they left Second City. I think Second City got a little bit of clay feet and didn't want to really spend a lot of time hitting and missing. Um, and so what they did is they developed their material using improv, but they basically became a sketch comedy company. Right. And uh, they, they originated their material through improv, where uh, Viola Spolin came up with this idea called side coaching, where you coach the players while they're working on stage in front of an audience to help them sort of discover that magical moment and give them the best opportunity to find that moment. Um, Second City, I think, did not do that, and what they, uh, they sort of let their actors sort of fall on their face, and when they saw it wasn't working, this is my theory anyway, mm-hmm. they, um, they said, well, you know, uh, we, have to, we have to give the audience a good show, and most of the time this stuff isn't working uh, without the magic of Viola Spolin and Paul Sills. So they, they basically just became a sketch company. But improvisation, uh, her book be, uh, was published in 1963, and I think a lot of people just opened the book um, saw the game, played it to the point where they could be spontaneous mm-hmm. and get a laugh and, and sort of miss the point of Viola's theory that, uh, that games are really uh, a way to access your own intuition, yes. your own per- personal genius, and not, not try to cover it up with cleverness. Right, because too many times we're in our head and... Absolutely. That's so bad for improv. And I, I recently, when I went to the Improv Revolution, um, I took a class and I was uh, creating strong characters. Right. And um, I'm trying to, I'm blanking on the teacher's name, but he was great. He's from Improv City. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he said, I want you to come up with your worst uh, character uh you know, uh, improvisations, you know, we, and we'd get up there and we'd feel really stupid, but we'd do a really bad job, but it was okay. Um, right. And it's, it's really important not to be in your head and judging, judging, judging. Right, right. But, but the thing is, is uh, what, what a lot of improv schools teach now is this idea that, uh, you know, you should celebrate failure mm-hmm. and um, uh, not be afraid of failure, overcome failure. What's very interesting in Viola's work, Viola used to say, she said, my work isn't about success and failure. She said, if you mention failure or you mention competition even, uh, which creates the fear of failure, oh. you're generating fear. Sure. Which is already your, 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 you, you put a weight on you that you don't need. Mm-hmm. So what Viola would do, would she say, well, we're going to play tag. Uh, we're going to play something so fun that the idea of success or failure doesn't even come into the idea, uh, I- into the equation. I like that. Because uh, when you're having fun, you don't think, oh, I'm failing or, oh, you know, I'm not doing such a good job at this game. You're just too busy having fun. Yes. Well, that's the state of mind you have to be in when you're improvising. I like that. Yeah. What do you think, for people that are not familiar with improv, what is it that about it that is so good for us? Well, uh, it, it's first of all, improvisation is the, uh, the, the, the stepping off into the unknown. 
And if you think about it, that's why we love games. That's why we go to football games and baseball games. Not to know that somebody's going to win or somebody's going to hit a home run, although that may happen, but we go to see the unfolding of an unknown event, and not knowing what's going to happen is thrilling. Right. So, so the thing is, is um, if you know what's going to happen, even if you plan it a microsecond ahead of time, you're never going to get that thrill of, dis- uh, of, of, of discovering the unknown. So, um, you know, you do follow the rules, you, as in every game, you, you know, you play, but how you play or the unfolding of the game is an unknown event. And that's, first of all, very dramatic, very uh, theatrical, and um, it brings everybody into the present moment. That's why we pay big dollars to have uh, uh, people do that in front of us in the terms of professional sports teams. You know, we watch, we want to see the unfolding of the unknown. It's exciting. Yes. Now, I know we have to wrap soon. I do want to mention your first novel was The King of Average, and it was at a best book of 2016. You're welcome. How did that come about? Well, that's a completely different uh, subject altogether. Uh, The King of Average is a children's fantasy novel. And um, uh, I had this idea when I was 11 years old um, uh, to, to um, uh, my favorite book at the time was The Phantom Tollbooth. I don't know mm. if you know that book. I've heard of it. It's, uh, it's a book about a little boy who's bored with uh, his life, and he goes into this fantasy world where, uh, you know, uh, things, things happen, and he meets a, a watchdog named Tok. Um, I, I, I love this idea, and I, I suffered from very bad self-esteem when I was young, and I never thought that I was going to be a, uh, worth very much of anything, and I, I had a conversation with myself one day, and I said, well, you know, I'm not that good, and, but my, another, another voice said, well, yeah, but you're not that bad. Oh, good. <laughs> and I said, so I had this little conversation with myself, I said, yeah, you know what, I, I'm not as bad as, my, you know, like my parents think of me, and, right. but I'm not, of course I'm not that good, I, I, that, my head, but what if... I said, what if I worked hard and, and, and could be just sort of average at everything I tried? And then I said, well, if you were average at everything you tried, you'd be the most average person in the world, and then you wouldn't be average. Interesting. So I said, you know, I said, well, that's an interesting idea. And so I've always had this idea that I wanted to write this book about a little boy who, when he had that idea, goes into the same fantasy world as uh, in the Phantom Tollbooth, and he meets a... Uh, a talking goat mm. who is a scapegoat <laughs> named Mayor Culpa. Cute. And uh, so it's a lot of wordplay and puns, and it's about an adventure. It's basically my therapy uh, encapsulated in a children's fantasy book. And I was really surprised and very pleased that it got all sorts of accolades and won, you know, a couple of gold uh, medals and, um, and was uh, named by Kirkus as a best book bet. I think it's great. So I want to throw out your website because we do have to wrap up, unfortunately, but it's Gary, sure. Gary-Schwartz.com. Is that right? Correct. Perfect. Thank you so much for calling in. Now you've piqued my interest. I'd love to, I think there's a workshop here in Long Beach. Someone teaches, someone mentioned to me uh, some Viola Spolin methods. And I'm going to check yes, it out. Yes, yes, there is. And I'll be down in the San Diego area in uh, September teaching a week-long workshop at a new film school. Well, email me because maybe I'd, we could uh, meet in person. 
I will. I'd love to. Fantastic. I'd love to, and um, uh, I wish you luck in your improv travels, and Thank thanks you. for inviting me onto your show. My pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to call in. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. That was Gary Schwartz calling in. If you missed any part of this, it'll, it's up on my show blog, uh, getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. We're going to take a quick little break, and then I have another guest calling in. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.